Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Technology Now, a weekly show from Hewlett Packard Enterprise where we take what's happening in the world and explore how it's changing the way organizations are using technology. We're your hosts, Aubrey Lovell and Michael Bird. And in this episode, we're examining the recently renewed interest in AR and VR after a certain company announced it was releasing its own headset system. So in this episode, we'll be talking about the current blockers to mass adoption of AR and VR. We'll be asking whether this could be a turning point and we'll be talking about why you should care. So if you're the kind of person who needs to know why what's going on in the world matters to your organization, this podcast is for you. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to your podcast app of choice so you don't miss out. All right, Michael, let's boot up, yep. put on our headsets, yep. and we're going to lose ourselves <laughs> in the world of VR. Here we go. Okay. So we tend to talk a lot about big name technologies on this show, AI, HPC, cloud and the like, but augmented reality and virtual reality are kind of sleeper technologies. They've become increasingly popular tools for gaming over the last few years, and the industry is certainly not one to scoff at, being worth around $20 billion globally. But it's kind of passed the world of enterprise tech by. And it's predicted to be an area of significant growth, with predictions saying that by 2030, VR will be worth around $160 billion. The chances of that sky-high number being reached took a big leap a few weeks back when one of the biggest tech companies in the world announced they were launching a VR and AR headset for the first time. So what does that mean for the rest of us? And why should enterprise-level organizations care? Today, we're joined by Lauren Dyer, Director of Strategic Partnerships at Real-Time Virtual Production Studio, Dimension Studios, who specialize in AR and VR. Hi, Lauren. Hi, guys. Okay, so first question. Can you kind of give us an overview of where we are with AR and VR at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. It's such an exciting time. You're probably going to hear me say that a lot through today's chat. <laughs> There's a lot going on. There's a lot of people clambering for the space. Um, but most importantly, um, it's finally being adopted by kind of the, the big companies. And that shift um, in mentality and adoption from those kind of big five companies and content being created at you know incredible scale. Yeah, it's a really exciting time across kind of both those industries at the moment. So what has held the tech back from going like completely mainstream? Because it's it still feels niche, like seeing a VR headset or an AR headset in somebody's lounge is like, oh, that's quite interesting. It's not, it doesn't feel like it's completely there yet. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been a tricky one. There's been lots of different reasons. It's been price point. Um, it's been about um, heaviness. It's been about battery. Um, it's been about being tethered, untethered, lots of different directions. And that has kind of also had a really big impact on the type of content that's being created for those headsets um, or AR experiences. And it's been a lot of gimmicks and it's been, you know, not really founded in anything, from a consumer level anyway, not really founded in anything that can push it into the mainstream. Apart from gaming, really, it re that really kind of, in terms of a trajectory, that pushed it into a whole new level. And therefore, the adoption from people like Meta and now Apple, we're seeing that obviously increase... Um, um, tenfold in regards to people understanding what they can actually do with the tech and understanding the limitations as well. So Lauren, can you tell us a little bit about the big tech announcement in the world of AR VR? Is that a game changer? 
Yeah, it's an absolute game changer. I mean, people keep on going on about the price. Are we surprised about the price? Um, Apple was always <laughs> going to have an expensive, beautiful looking headset. Um, that's their signature, right? Apple has a really long history of creating demand and playing the long game. And with them stepping into this arena, we should be excited, especially from a user experience perspective. They've really thought about it. Probably one of the reasons why it's taken so long for it to get out there into the real world. And with any kind of Apple product user, the gesture interfaces will feel totally natural and very intuitive to people, which is a key. And that voice to sight and hand gestures alongside the Apple ecosystem that exists, this headset really brings the possibility of reimagining how we experience film and TV. And most importantly, how we see 3D content explode outside the screen. You know, these technical capabilities really do set the device apart. And giving Apple that kind of technological position in this evolving space, if history is any indicator, it will be a dominating part of the market for them. Spatial computing is not a new term or a technology that you know people aren't familiar with, but it's great to see them bringing this terminology to the masses and most importantly, making it easy for them to understand what they mean by spatial computing. Yeah. And of course, what we talked about earlier, gaming at the moment is quite a big area for AR and VR, but I suppose one of the things that's certainly of interest to our listeners is around those sort of enterprise level applications, enterprise level tech. Like, do you think there is a home in the world of VR and AR for people who are sitting behind a desk or are working in, you know, engineering or things like that? You know, virtual reality is, is no longer championing solely the consumer market. Currently, enterprise VR is incredible. It offers greater benefits to businesses for collaboration, creativity, productivity, security, customer service, I go on and on. It's already been a huge success in these areas. MR um, and VR have already been used in engineering, automotive design, architecture, healthcare. It feels like, you know, it's, it's quite a hefty list, right? The, the tech is becoming more realistic. Holopitation is making VR meetings feel more natural. 3D applications are being adopted even, you know, outside of headset in AR, like Google Starline, uh, not to mention Nerf technology, which is a huge thing that's going to be used. For those listeners not familiar with the term, it's a technique that generates 3D representations of an object from 2D images using machine learning. I mean, like, it's insane. It's like, it's a great, a great tool to be using. And companies preparing for this, like, digital transformation with immersive technologies like this must ensure that they're strategically using these tools. It's not for tech anymore. You can't simply buy a thousand headsets and deploy them to your employees or even to patients. But you need to really outline your key targets and use cases for their existence. And therefore you kind of, you know, you hit the ground running. Yeah, I'm really seeing a, a big use case for that at the moment. And do you think AR and VR is benefiting from emerging technologies like cloud, but I guess things like AI, like is it that we've sort of hit this point in the world of technology where everything is sort of coming together so it now makes sense and technologically we can actually do what we want to try and do? For sure. You know, we've seen a fantastic low barrier to entry from platforms such as Eighth Wall entering the AR space over the last few years. Web AR doesn't require an app download or a Wi-Fi connection to deliver premium content anymore. These are fantastic for branded experiences. I mean, the ability to create meaningful, authentic content to consumers has become an increasing priority for brands. And the accessibility that doesn't need an AR-enabled headset or handset is a perfect starting point. 
VR headsets readily available to the masses for lower price points. As mentioned earlier, it's a great opportunity to get more consumers into headsets, which is driving the need for more innovative content, connecting with audiences in exciting ways. I mean, content creators must continue to develop engaging, accessible content for the mass market to move forward. And hardware and software developers, it's their job to innovate, to ensure that the accessibility and the affordability of these headsets and AR-enabled devices continue. Yeah, really, really, really exciting time for that. So just to summarize and kind of bottom line here, why should the rest of the tech industry be watching AR and VR and why should they care? <laughs> I think it's just finally no longer a fad, right? It's, you know, or something that the cool kids are doing. It doesn't just apply to gamers or tech enthusiasts. You know, it, it's really transcended. And as we've discussed today, it's an incredible and valuable tool that can go across multiple platforms, multiple verticals and hopefully truly help people connect and interact with each other and be more meaningful. We just need great storytelling, creativity and execution to bring these ideas to life, keeping it really relevant and accessible to as many people as possible. That's fantastic. All right, we'll come back to you in a moment with questions from the audience, so don't go anywhere. Okay, well, next, it is down to you, our audience, as we open the floor for you to give your recommendations on books which have changed the way that you look at the world, life and business in the last 12 months. Now, they could be technology-based, they could have changed the way that you work, or they could have just made you look at the world in a slightly different way. And as always, if you want to share your recommendations, there's a link in the podcast description. Just record a voice note on your phone and send it over. My name's Jonathan Fieve. I'm the CEO of Carnegie Clean Energy. We're a wave energy developer. I've been reading Six Capitals. You know, that's really talking about four new capitals, I suppose, to the traditional financial and manufactured capital that have been the traditional measures of wealth, uh, intellectual, human, social, and natural. And I guess, yeah, for an engineer and a fairly kind of linear thinker, I think it's really interesting and, and a step forward, really, to start factoring in the cost to nature, to humans, to society of everything. Because it's really hard as a person to, to try and cost all that stuff in when you're standing in the supermarket aisle wondering what brand of dishwashing liquid to buy. So this book's quite an interesting introduction into the idea that we sort of world of capitalism, but it's here to stay. And so let's put a price around all the things that, that matter to us. Thanks for that. So Lauren, have you read anything in the last year which has changed the way that you look at the world? Oh, deep. Uh, there's been a lot of amazing stuff that's been on my on my reading list. I think the, one of the biggest ones for me, if you're looking for something in the nonfiction space, I Love More Than a Glitch by Meredith Broussard. She gives an insightful analysis and thoughtful opinion on gender, ability bias, and race in tech. There are some incredible examples of where this is prevalent across so many tech touch points. It's truly eye-opening, and more importantly, very human. It's a must-read for anyone that's thinking more about diversity, inclusion, and accessibility in and out the workplace. Um, yeah, I couldn't recommend it more highly. It's a great read. Perfect. I'm adding that to my cart right now mm. as we speak. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's time for questions from the audience. You've been sending in your VR and AR questions to Lauren, and we've pulled out a couple. So the first question is from Alex in Melbourne, who would like to know whether you're seeing trends heading towards big virtual collaborative group experiences like conferences or virtual working or towards more individualized experiences tailored towards the user. So 
basically to streamline that, is VR heading towards a social or solo experience? Oh, such an interesting debate in the industry, Alex. <laughs> um, what a great question. VR has historically always struggled to be multi-user or a group experience. You know, gaming, consuming film, or having a call. I've been lucky enough to develop some wonderful immersive theatrical experience in the past that do just that. But the nature of wearing a headset is generally an isolating one and you can't really get around it, especially if you're around other people in the same environment, even if you're watching the same thing. Group conference calls like Horizon Workrooms are good fun, but you know not ideal when back-to-back call scenarios. You know, if you can't be present in one room at the same time in real life, it does have a feeling of being present, but still doesn't live up to most people's expectations. You know, with Vision Pro, as we've seen, but you know, Apple tries to ensure the headset feels grounded in the environment that they're in. Being able to see the outside world from the headset and the outside world through a pair of eyes in the lens, but only time will tell if this is a potential path to go down. It, it truly boils down to one thing. What's the purpose of the experience? It's always about the what. If it's a group experience, maybe VR isn't the best solution right now. AR might be. Or maybe VR is just one element of the experience. I'm not sure. Hopefully that answers your question, Alex. Okay, Claire in Copenhagen wants to know what difference AR and VR could make in environments like retail, where there was a lot of buzz a few years ago. Yeah, this really uh, touched uh, a point with me, Claire. It's a really great question. I'm working quite a lot with a lot of clients in this space and retail is a huge opportunity for AR and VR, especially after the pandemic. It's a great driver to get people back into stores, but it's all about being brand dependent. Relevancy is the key word here. This space is wildly exciting, but also can mean consumers are bombarded with meaningless experiences, endless inauthentic filters, flashy content, and bad user experiences. Yeah. However, there is a sweet spot that emerges through all of this when a brand with a genuine consumer insight into their specific behavior can help drive amazing experiences from changing rooms, product launches, or even window displays coming alive at night. There are so many ways to entertain and delight in-store using VR and AR, and that can drive traffic or brand awareness. And I've seen some great engagement in this area, but do let me know if you see anything that you've particularly loved. I'm always, always keen to hear about some awesome retail experiences that are around right now. Thank you, Lauren. And again, we'll drop a couple of links in the podcast description for more on these topics. All right. Well, we're getting towards the end of the show, which means, Michael, are you ready? <coughs> Lauren's going to yeah. be so blown away. Yeah. Are you yeah, ready for this? I think this? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. It's time for <laughs> This Week in History. <laughs> <laughs> A look at monumental Brilliant. events in the world of business and technology, which has changed our lives. I'm not sure we'll ever get Lauren back after that. Uh, anyway, the clue last <laughs> week was this artificial star really beamed down. Do you know what it is? Of course you do. It's the launch of the first international communication satellite, Telstar 1, which happened this week in 1962. The satellite was a collaboration between the US, Britain and France and allowed the first ever transatlantic video feeds. And it was, frankly, the start of a truly global communications revolution and paved the way for pretty much all the connectivity that we enjoy today. Unfortunately, it didn't have a long and illustrious career. It was operational for just seven months before being accidentally knocked out by a blast test. Ah. Ooh, tough break. Yeah. 
Well, next week, it's an easy one, but an important one for a Floridian space nerd like myself. The clue is the bird has touched down. And no, it's not Michael. <laughs> it's not me. Promise. I promise it's not me. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of Technology Now for this week. Keep those suggestions for life-changing books coming using the link in the podcast description. And in the meantime, thank you to our guest, Lauren Dyer of Dimension Studio. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, guys. And to our listeners, thank you all so much for joining us too. Technology Now is hosted by Aubrey Lovell and myself, Michael Bird. And this episode was produced by Sam Datapolin and Zoe Anderson with production support from Harry Morton, Alicia Kempson, Alison Paisley, Camilla Patel and Alex Podmore. Technology Now is a Lower Street production for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. 